Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of All Queued Up, your review podcast tied to streaming streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Prime, HBO Max, Disney Plus, etc., etc. I'm your host, Greg Dietz. With me always is Maya Don Fisher. How have you been this week? Uh, been really good. Super tired today. Didn't sleep well last night. Uh, you know why? Yep. Um, it's it's unfortunate, you know, but I feel like a bag of mashed up assholes. Um, 10 pounds worth in a five pound capacity bag. So, uh, but you know, other than that, the week's been really good. I just been super heavy into horizon zero or horizon forbidden West. Um, actually defeated the campaign on Friday of last week. And now I'm working on 100% completion, which I'm at 93%. Uh, I've got 110 and a half hours in. Upgraded. There's nine legendary weapons and six legendary outfits that you can get, armors. Uh, I've upgraded seven of the weapons completely, working on the eighth. And upgraded two of the armors completely. And I'm going to do them after I do the weapons. I can one-shot kill the Apex monster of anything in the game, pretty much. I'm not even sure what the fuck that is, but... Well, you you played the DLC from the first Horizon game. Yes. Uh, you remember Hephaestus, that rogue AI that was making the machines even stronger? And they called them Apex machines. Yeah, I remember that. The ones with like black armor and the purple highlights instead of the normal white armor with blue highlights. Apex are versions of those. Um Those are those don't come into play in the main campaign, do they? Uh-huh. Oh. I thought you'd already encountered them by now. Well, there was the one that was in the uh, the cauldron that I just got through. Okay. I think. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there was. That's why I mentioned it. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I, I, I've talked about my opinion on spoilers. Like, Oh, I know. And that's just a mild, mild spoiler if, there, don't if, even, if, if at don't all. Even, yeah, I was like, I don't even consider it a spoiler. So that's why I was like, I didn't, it wasn't bothering me at all. Um. Yeah, I haven't had a whole lot of time to play it myself because between work and um, hanging out with, you know, talking to friends online and then just being too tired to play. Um, I think I've been over this before. I have a I have a problem. Um, I, I have what I like to call the gaming fever, and I've had it since I was a kid. And it's basically anytime my adrenaline gets to a certain peak, I have a... Um, I have a, I get like a, my face gets really hot. I feel kind of icky. I don't know how to put it. Um, but basically my body temperature rises, um, enough to make me feel uneasy. Uh, it's, 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 I'll put it this way. Back when Mario three had come out, um, I was seven. I want to say. Well, I was 13. So you were probably six. Six. Okay. So, uh, I'm, I'm playing it 
and I'm on the final castle and my mom is like concerned about my, my, uh, not being able to breathe, literally holding my breath while playing. And, uh, uh, she would take the game away and say like, like not turn off the system. Cause she understood, but she was like, you need to go step outside or something for a little bit. And I'd have to go cool off or whatever. So what well, the reason I mentioned it now is because playing horizon zero dawn, I can do like two, three hours at a time. And then I have to take a long break and watch something or, or, or play a different game that doesn't do that to me. So I'm hoping that I can get some time in today, maybe tomorrow, maybe this weekend, but I'm playing on story mode. And I'm just doing story missions. I'm not even fucking like I'll run past characters that have like missions tied to them or something to that effect. And I just walk past them. I don't even I don't even fuck with it because like that's the thing. I don't have time to put into a game like you do right now. Yeah. This is not this is not a, like um oh it's not a slaughter and insult yeah. or anything. You just you're busy. I know. Yeah. So I'm gonna blast it again. Uh, the other thing I was gonna say that uh, um. I have been on like when I'm doing other things, watching people play Elden Ring. I'll never play a Souls like game. I'll never ever play a Souls like game. No, I hate those types of games. They're not for me. I, you know, if you enjoy them out there, great. But I've never had the desire to even pick one up and try it out. And what's so funny about that is that there's so many people that. I don't think that they kind of they quite get why people would want to play a Souls like game, you know. Um, I'm a little all over the place, everybody. Like my brain's not quite here. Anyway, uh, I had a conversation yesterday with somebody. They had they had posted on Facebook that they were watching people play Elden Ring and just getting angry whenever they would die or something to that effect. And he's like, "Why put yourself through that?" And so I had to explain to him that that's that's just kind of how these games are played. Like that's how people enjoy them. That's how people want to enjoy them. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's a sense of uh, accomplishment when you finally do succeed. So I get that. I asked him. I said, "Did you have you ever played a game on the hardest difficulty?" And he was like, "Why would I do that?" And I'm like, "Trust me." I agree. I'm never going to do that. Like, I'm enjoying Horizon Forbidden West on story mode, which is above easy. I genuinely have only died by drowning because I couldn't figure out how to get through the fucking water in that one part. Um, but, but like, I dropped from, like, the top of something way far, and it was like, it didn't instantly kill me. It dropped me to 10 health. That was it. Yeah. Like, the game refuses to kill me, and it gives me... More, I don't know if it's the same amount of checkpoints, but it gives me some pretty, pretty fucking uh, forgiving checkpoints. So... But Elden Ring is not that. My, that's my point. Like, I may be playing Horizon on the easiest difficulty and just getting the story, um, but people like to play their games on, like, the hardest difficulty. I know that you probably didn't start Horizon on the hardest difficulty right at the, right at the gate. 
you probably played on normal and just went your way, right? No, I threw it on nightmare mode, whatever it's called. Are you serious? Yeah. Damn. All right. Well, fucking shut my mouth. I was already 15 hours into it when I discovered that there wasn't a difficulty trophy attached to it. And I was like, well, I'm not starting over now. Because, <laughs> uh, you know me, I'm, uh, if, if it's a game that I love, I will trophy hunt the shit out of it. Right. You know, until I complete it. Sometimes it may take me a week or two. Sometimes it'll take a month or two. Sometimes it'll take a year or two. Oh, hell, I got a trophy this morning on a game I've been playing for four years off and on. I only have one left to get, and then I'll get to platinum for it. I'm like, woohoo. I mean, it's going to take a while to get it because it's one of those, it's more of a casual game. Fallout Shelter, you ever play it? Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, I got bored it's, of it, but yeah. It is time consuming, but it's something fun to feel in the time to uh, to uh, bring me down after I play Horizon for hours on end. Yeah, that's fair. I like. Here's my thing. I actually think if you're going to play Horizon Forbidden West on on Nightmare, Maya, you might actually enjoy Elden Ring quite a bit. Uh, it is an open world game. Uh, the enemies probably arguably do as much damage to you as enemies in, in Horizon on Nightmare difficulty. I don't think it's that much of a different difficulty curve if you're playing that on that hard difficulty. It probably isn't, truthfully. Like, the reason I don't play Dark Souls games or Bloodborne or now Elden Ring is because they're designed to be difficult. There's no difficulty option. that You just start the game and it's hard. It's not impossible, but like Dark Souls games and Bloodborne for that matter are very not linear per se, but they definitely have a linear-esque style to them because you're only supposed to be going in a direction to fight a boss. You you every enemy that you you defeat, you get a currency. In Dark Souls, it's souls, and Bloodborne, it's um I believe it's blood. I could be fucking wrong about that. Um, we'll say it is just for simplicity's sake. Yeah, but in Elden Ring, it's called runes. They're the exact same thing. You use the you use this currency to level up, to unlock new abilities, new weapons, magic, whatever you want. The other thing that makes Elden Ring so good, outside of it being basically an open world Soulsborne game, is. Uh, the, the customization ability. So there are 10 classes that you can start off playing. They all play different. They all play drastically different from one another. Because they all have different stats. They all have different abilities. Whether it be magic or like... There's there's the whole character that you can just fucking... Like it's basically like playing a monk in D&D. Just go in and punch and shit, kick the shit out of everything. Like I'm telling you right now. You okay. may not be interested in the Souls, the Dark Souls games, Maya, but you would fucking love Elden Ring. It is just your based on, challenge. Just, just based on what you just told me, I kind of maybe want to check it out. <laughs> what I would do is wait until it goes on sale or some shit, because... No, oh, yeah, yeah. You definitely don't know right now if you're going to enjoy it or not. No, no, that's, that's definitely a wait-and-see title. I mean, hell... 
very few games do I buy day one. You know, uh, Final Fantasy 15, Final Fantasy 7 remake, Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, I think those are like three of the past five, and that spans over what five years there. Yeah. Animal Crossing was another one. Um, I can't I can't think of another. But, you know, it's rare for me to buy a game day one or when they're full price. I usually wait for them to come down on sale. Well, I'll put it this way. Like, I'm not a fan of that type of challenge in a video game. That's why I don't want to play it. But I can tell you right now, like... It's 100% deserving of the 10 out of 10. Uh, I'm watching people play it and just, just like exploring and discovering sections of the game that are under the map. Watching watching a guy play last night, Djibouti Show, I'm sure I've mentioned them before, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're on the surface, the main area. They're fighting a few skeletons, a few other things that came up their way, and they're like, oh, there's a cave over here. Where does this cave go? They follow the cave down into a few catacombs, and then all of a sudden they're in an area that looks like an underground city with constellations floating above their head. Hmm. So they just explored that for a fucking, like, three hours. Found a fucking boss. That's like, cool. Fucking insane. Like, I, I, I was really surprised that it got a 10 out of 10. That it was just getting 10 out of 10s across the fucking board. I saw very, very few below 9. I think the lowest I saw was from GameSpot, which they gave it a 6, which I was like, wow, okay. You might be the lowest score. Because no, no other Soulsborne game has got less than a fucking... Or sorry, it's gotten um, like higher than an eight out of ten across the board. Hmm. So, like, it is an excellently fucking well constructed game that I'm never going to play. <laughs> and like, I'll put it this way, dude. Like, you put how many hours into Forbidden West? So far, and this is still actively playing it uh, as of today, 110 hours and 39 minutes and change. Yeah, you'd you'd easily maybe triple that with with Elden Ring. I've 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 already seen people put insane hours, like sleep for fucking six hours, and then all they do is play the game, and still not done. Still finding shit, still still defeating bosses. Like the game is unbelievably massive with content. And that's outside of like the difficulty scale. Hmm. So but like if you dude, if you're playing fucking Forbidden West on Nightmare. Well, I don't I it might be called legendary, I don't know. I just know that it's the hardest difficulty setting. There's no way that you wouldn't enjoy Elden Ring. I mean, hell, I, I, I beat the first one on the hardest difficulty level. I beat Witcher 3 on the hardest difficulty level. Yeah. You know, I don't I mean, know. Yeah. Dark Souls games would be nothing to you. Like, they'd be they'd be just the same challenge, genuinely. When you were playing um, Witcher on the hardest difficulty, mm-hmm. and you're, let's say you're fighting, like, a big-ass Gryffindor or something shit like that. Not Gryffindor, but uh, Gryffindor. Mm-hmm. 
And how many hits from that griffin would it take to kill you if you didn't heal up? Three or four, maybe. Play fucking Soulsborne games, Maya. Holy shit. This is the same fucking thing. Holy shit. If that's enjoyable to you, you would love Soulsborne games. Let me hang on two seconds. Holy shit. I'm I'm I mean I play for this I play for the story primarily. I just if there's a difficulty trophy attached to it, I will crank it up and play on the hardest difficulty just because it'll wipe out multiple trophies at once if there's more than one difficulty trophy. I, I'm not I'm not even remotely disagreeing with you on that. Um hold on, I'm trying to find it. Because there is no difficulty trophy for. Well, yeah, it's just there. There's no difficulty setting. Uh, the reason I'm the reason I said stop for a second is because Bloodborne is a as a PlayStation exclusive, and it is a. It is a you know there's a reason that the term is called Soulsborne. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like Metroidvania. It's the, it's the same generic idea. Anyway. Uh that game was was released in 2015. Um it's only eight bucks on PlayStation right now. And I'd say honestly, when you're done with Forbidden West, buy it. Play it. Like I I, I the other thing I think you'd love about the Soulsborn games is how they tell their story. Like, a lot of other games are direct with their story. Um, These games are not direct. So there is a level of direct, there's a level of like, okay, well, you know the point of the the path that you're taking, right? But, um, uh, I'm getting very distracted by the TV. Um, there we go. Um, it tells a story through pieces of items that you collect through like unconventional storytelling elements. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like as you progress, you learn more and more about the world, which tells you the story. That's what I'm trying to say. And my brain is like, nope, not today, Nancy boy. <laughs> Nancy boy. Like, and that's the other thing I was going to point out. Like, I've been told by t- way too many fucking people that Elden Ring is uh, a lot more forgiving than the Dark Souls games. Hmm. Well, I, I know it was also written by George R. R. Martin. Or not necessarily. Of, it was wrote, He wrote a lot of content for it, but not necessarily wrote the whole game for it. Yes, I know the game director said that he can put restrictions on his involvement because he didn't want to have to force rewrites due to game mechanics and things like that later on down the line. Right. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm, I'm on. I'm on PlayStation right now, looking up Dark Souls, seeing uh, how much any of the past games are. I know I, I have. I have a Souls game. Because it was on PlayStation Plus, 
I just don't know which one I have. I've just, you know, claimed it but never downloaded. I would do that. I would play that and I'm sorry. The the main menu of the fucking PlayStation Store shows uh Tom Holland's Nathan Drake in Fortnite. So that was very shocking for like a second. Anyway, all right, done with that. Uh yeah, dude. Wow. Like, I, I'm kind of surprised you never played them. I'm genuinely surprised you never even tried it. Because this, that's the other thing. Like, Bloodborne seems like your type of setting for a game. Super dark, gritty. Uh, like, I don't know how much you feel about, like, Victorian London sort of vibe. But, like, I mean, Gothic I wouldn't Victorian live, London. wouldn't want to live there. Well, of course. That's why it's good for a video game. flabbergasted you've never played a souls game because i genuinely feel like you'd really enjoy it but that's the other thing even if you are like yeah the souls games are all right you're gonna fucking love uh fucking elden ring because it's open world exploration your jam your absolute jimmy jam we've had this conversation you like open world explorer type of games i do you like to go hey what's that shiny thing over there Shinies do distract me. Um, I just... <sighs> Even anyway. in real life, I'll be outside, like, you know, on the way to the car and be like, oh, a shiny, and I'll bend down to pick it up and see what it is. I'm not that way at all. Absolutely not. Oh, like, you know, hoping that's money. Well, I'm keeping my eye out for shit. But if like I'm walking on the sidewalk and I see uh, across the street a shiny, not worth it. Not worth crossing the street to go get. I don't care. I'm not either. I was exaggerating, but well, I mean, how how out of your way are you going to get that shiny? In a video game, uh, I'll go across well, a map. Now, me in person. Across the sidewalk. <laughs> okay. uh, my dad is like he if he played video games, he'd love open world explorer type games because um, well, if if I'm driving with him, he's just always like, I wonder what's in that building. I wonder what's over there. Like he's always doing that. I'm like, like I'm focused, right? Like that's why I kind of like doing DoorDash because I have a direct path that I have to take to complete the task. I know yeah. what needs to be done, and I'm going to do it. And that's it. That's as simple as that. And I know that's the way my brain works, and it's always been wired that way, but... You that's don't why... have any... You don't have to, you know, escort an NPC on your way. <laughs> oh. You want to know what drives me banana sandwiches in video games? And Horizon fucking does this. If I have to follow an NPC that's walking, let me fucking walk with them. Yeah. Instead of running ahead and then having to wait for him to catch up. Or like just gently hitting the fucking joystick so that way you're just kind of walking behind them. I'm like, I fucking hate that. Yeah, that is one of my small gripes about this game. Although, um, that's really one of the few. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's And it's not just Horizon by a fucking country mile. There's no, no. There's oh, tons of games. It's a metric fuck ton of games. 
Like what I metric what I would like time, that is an official unit of measurement. <laughs> I will give Horizon credit in this regard that when they do that, they're kind of like, but while the care while the NPC is walking, you can go to like the store or like your chest or something to that effect. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like you're giving me time to do shit that I sh- should have done. Yeah. Um, but there was a game I played a while back that was like it gave you that option to run ahead or whatever, but if you got close to the NPC that was walking, you could press a button, just like it was like triangle or Y or whatever controller I was using, and it was like uh, uh, walk, walk behind them, or follow, follow behind them, or some shit like that. So it would automatically follow behind them, so that way you could still hear the conversation if there was a conversation happening. And and I was just like, that's... Could all games do that? That'd be nice. Yeah. Just give me yeah. that quick little, that little quick little prompt. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. And then set your controller down for a minute. Go grab a beverage, what have you. Yeah. So, well, folks, uh, we've been talking for 30 minutes because uh, I was trying to kill time mostly. But um, so I didn't make a game. I know that last week I said that we were going to talk about episode three and four of The Marvelous Miss Maisel, which we are going to in a minute here. But I did not have time to make a game. So, unfortunately, it's just going to be us talking about Marvelous Miss Maisel and whatever the hell else we want to talk about. But here's the thing. March is fucking heavy with a lot of stuff. Um, stuff that I'm going to watch regardless of Maya wants to watch it or not. Uh, but we are going to plan to kind of review a lot of this stuff. I know that we're, we're not going to review Picard Season 2, which I'm going to watch, or like Upload Season 2. At least I don't think we are. But um, I didn't watch season one. I mean, I'm a casual Star Trek fan. And by casual, I mean, I'll watch a new movie when it comes out, but I'm not going to be asked to watch a series. So Picard is so different oh, than other I, stuff. Like, I know it's good, though. I know it's good. I just... Because I've had a lot of people tell me that like Star Trek is a little bit more boring than Star Wars or like or more boring than the movies. And I completely agree with you. It's it's a lot more talky. <laughs> um, it's a lot slower, more cerebral. Um, so it's it can it can be not as entertaining. Totally understand that. Um for whatever reason. But that's why I say, like, regardless if you want to watch Picard or not, it's so fucking structured differently than a Star Trek show. Like completely caught me off guard i was like why is this way more like actiony so but uh um for example uh we have the the like i made a small list here of shows i want to watch uh so we got this month the boys diabolical which is anime series which we're going to review for next week um we're going to continue and watch marvelous miss Maisel. we have uh the movie turning red which is pixar's new movie Trevor Project, which will be on Netflix. Is that the uh, one with Ryan Reynolds? It is. That one I do want to watch. Okay. Yeah, I figure we'll do that and uh, the probably the finale of Marvelous Miss Maisel since that's roughly the time frame. Um, and then we have on the 14th uh, the animated Blade Runner movie, Black Lotus, which I love the Blade Runner movies, so I'm excited to watch this. It could suck. I fucking don't know, but, you know. And it's like the only thing coming out on HBO Max this month, too, which is it was like, oh, okay. But then at the end of the month, we have Halo and Moon Knight. So, a lot this month. And then that's not counting the fucking movies. Like, we got Batman at the end of this week. We have, uh, oh, what other movies coming out this month that I want to see? 
I'm not Doctor Strange because they pushed it back to May. Yeah. <clears throat> but Morbius comes out the April 1st. There's another movie that comes out this month. I'm, I don't fucking remember. But anyway, and then not to mention video games. Like, I'm still trying to beat fucking Horizon, so. Got a lot going on this month. Uh, but for the sake of the podcast, we're going to have something to review just about every single week. And uh, yeah, so I just want to kind of, you know, shoot the shit, talk about whatever for the first half hour of this podcast. But since we're past that point, why don't we talk about Marvelous Miss Maisel season uh, or episode uh, three and four of season four? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. <coughs> pardon me. Well, if you saw at the end of episode two, um, Midge had gotten arrested again. Uh, because she was kicked out of a club and uh, for mocking another comedian. And the owner told her to basically get fucked, don't come back. And she's like uh, asking people for if they want to be entertained. She's like, hey, because he was like, you know, going on about how people wanted to buy drinks Uh and she's like, oh, hey, buck 50, and you can be entertained. And a cop took it as she was soliciting. So they arrested her for soliciting prostitution. Anyway, after she gets bailed out, she's taking another girl that was in there uh, in jail with her, her and Susie. They drop her off at a workplace. It's a burlesque club. So episode three opens up. She is working as the MC, uh, doing little comedy bits in between the dance acts. Um, and it's apparently providing her a steady paycheck because that is something that is something she didn't have at the end of the, you know, from the start of the season for the first two episodes. Um, what do you think about her working in a burlesque show or in a, in, in, in the strip club, essentially as the Uh, MC, you know, it's funny because a lot of comedians, a lot of a lot of stars, if you will, um, talented, famous people, have always had that job that they didn't love, you know. But they, they it was it was to make ends meet. It was to f- fulfill a, a a need in their life. And right now, uh, uh, she needs stability. She needs a job, and this job helps her art, if you want to call it that. Um. I think the biggest problem that she has is that she is she's kind of between a rock and a hard place right now, you know. Mm-hmm. And she still wants to do stand up. She still wants to perform, but like she kind of has a block, you know. And I think that. This is a good, like, it's hard to explain what kind of what I'm going, like, what's going through my mind, because I think she, I put you on the spot with this. (laughs) No, it's fine, because I'm I'm trying to think of how I want to say that, like, I think it's a good place for her right now. I think that there's a whole scene later 
I didn't want to kind of go in. I was trying to avoid going into it, but there's a whole scene later where Lenny Bruce shows up in like the fourth episode, right? No, no, it's the same episode. It's the third episode. Is it? Is it third? Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought it was four. Um, and he, he basically tells her that this shitty gig will strengthen her. It'll make her a better performer. And he proves his point during it. And to me, that is a very important aspect to her character growth, to her stage persona. You know, she is a, she is able, she's going to grow stronger from this shitty, shitty, shitty gig. The problem is, is that she has a bit of a control problem. And we and she is going to get fired from this job. She is going to be let go because she is she is putting she is putting her 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 she's dipping her toes too much into the pond. If you catch my drift. Well, obviously that's not happened yet, but that's where you think it's going how it's going to end up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, I think what you were saying, you know, remember. Not discrediting anything you just said, uh, but remember in the first two episodes, anytime she was performing the very next day in the newspaper, there was that one critic that was bringing her up. Even if she hadn't performed, people were comparing her to uh, whatever act they had seen. Like at least it wasn't as dreadful as the Mrs. Maisel, who's absolutely nobody's favorite, or you know that one. Right. I can't remember the critic's name. Um, I think she's taken this because also she knows that guy's not going to be around to review her. So it's kind of yeah. like it's it's stability, and it's also allowing her to lay low. As for her her mindset for the for the thing, it's it's. Yes, you're absolutely correct. But I'm I'm more going in regards to like after, you know, like what what will this do for her, you know? Aside Versus, aside from what Lenny told her, you know, toughen her up a little bit, not Jack. Yeah, yeah, toughen toughening up, uh definitely getting to the point where she can kind of perform anywhere. Um I just don't think that this is going to end well for her, if, he, if if that makes sense. No, I don't think so either. But but a lot of stuff hasn't you know, exactly panned out for her, and she came out on top because she's strong. So that's kind of my thought in that regard. But but that's the thing about life, you know. And this this show does a very good job about that, like. You know, you're going yeah. down a path and, and you think everything's good and then a fucking fuck a wrench gets thrown here's, into your gears. Here's a curveball, swing at it, see if you hit it. And the saddest, biggest curveball in episode three was Jackie's death. Oh yeah, that was awful. And I didn't realize at the time, but the actor, uh, I believe his name was Brian Tarantina. Uh I hope I'm getting that right. Uh, he passed away just over two years ago, actually. Um, yeah, Brian Tarantina. He actually uh, passed away in his apartment in New York in November of 2019, like just two or three weeks before season three came out. 
So I didn't realize it then. So I didn't think anything of it. And I was sitting there thinking the first two episodes is like, well, hell, where's Jackie? And then in this episode, Jackie had died of a stroke in Susie's apartment. And, you know, apparently his sister's there and confided in her or confessed to her that Jackie had confided that Susie was one of his closest friends and wanted her to speak at his funeral. Which threw Susie for a fucking loop. Yeah. Because like how she's like, how is anybody a closest friend with me? Is what her her thought, let, let alone Jackie being that person. Yeah. She thinks very low of herself, and it it irritates me because <laughs> I'm like, you're better than that. But that's 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 Susie's character for you. But yeah, the that uh, and Chester, the other roommate that had been sharing the apartment with Jackie, uh, because remember, Susie has subletted this apartment to Jackie because she was supposed to be on tour. Now she's not on tour, and that's when she found out. And Chester's like, "Oh, there's been a lot of people die in this apartment." She's like, what the fuck are you talking about, Chester? He's like, oh, don't you know? That's the first thing you're supposed to do when you research moving in. There's been people. There was a whole family that drowned in here when a pipe burst. And Susie's just fucking mortified because there's, you know, more than just a handful of people that had died in that specific apartment. And she's freaking out and doesn't want to stay there anymore. So she ends up starting to stay with Midge. And starts driving Midge's family nuts. Because <laughs> she's sitting around all day long in her fucking pajamas watching TV all hours of the day or the night. And just having to be fucking taken care of because she's a wreck. Yeah. It was it was it was really funny to uh to have those scenes in the show too, because by far one of my favorite characters, which we can transition from that story to, to um, is Abe uh, Midge's father. Mm -hmm. Like in episode one, we had that great scene on the, on the uh, Ferris wheel in episode three. I think it's episode three. We get like, yeah, it was episode three. We get this hilarious situation with him where he is given the ability to go watch a play. And the play is written in, is written by, somebody that they know from the Catskills, which we've seen in past seasons. Um, and they're very excited about it. Abe's super excited because he's like, I know this kid. I know his talent. It's going to be awesome. Long story short, Abe fucking hates it. He thinks it is an absolute piece of shit. And he doesn't want to write that because he knows it's going to hurt the kid. But he's a journalist. At least now he is. And he has to tell the truth, which any good, good journalist should. Um, and, uh, his fucking cape, dude, was killing me. Yeah. Like, especially how he was twirling with it all the time. He's just oh, like, he so was immensely, he was immensely proud of that cape and how he pulled it off. Oh yeah. So fucking good. Um, but like him in a, in a way being not ousted, but shunned by the Jewish community that they live they live with and in was really fucking funny. And he has a line that he says 
says in the synagogue during a fucking bar mitzvah, by the way. Um, yeah, because everybody started calling him out during it. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, I'm like the scorpion. I sting because I have because it's in my nature. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, he tells them you're the frog and I'm the scorpion and like the scorpion, I sting because it's in my nature. So fucking funny. Uh, uh, but there's a scene where he is like, like Susie's depressed and she's in the living room, not sleeping. It's the middle of the night. It's like midnight. And she's watching uh late, t- late night TV, which is interviews. And it was an interview with um, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she's just, she's just eating and, and she's just, she's just awake having a snack, but the TV is loud. And <laughs> Abe is the only one like super irritated by the TV because of course he is like, Anything out of Abe's normal repertoire that he's ever had, especially when he worked at Columbia, is an absolute nuisance to his existence. And it's funny every fucking time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, like, I, I, I love all the characters in the show. I genuinely do. Um, Maya's gone for a second, everybody. So there's that. Sorry um, about that. I hit the wrong <laughs> button. I was trying to mute because I have to clear my throat. Gotcha. And I and I hit the wrong button. <laughs> did, is it, did it still record it? Because like, yeah, it still records. Okay, <laughs> it still records. It's still going. I was like, you should keep that in because it's pretty funny. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, uh, I love all the characters, but like Abe is by far one of my favorite. Like he's one of the top characters in the show for me. I could watch an entire like show based on him. Um, I think that's the other thing I like about this show is it takes like a lot of old, tired Jewish tropes, Jewish character tropes, tropes from past shows, shit that Larry David wrote and kind of does something more fun with them. You know what I mean? Like I've seen Abe's character. I've seen Joel's parents characters. Like, his mom is basically fucking Sheldon's, or not Sheldon, but Howard uh, Howard's mom from fucking um, Big Bang Theory. Or or uh, there was another character like Seinfeld that was like Joel's mom. Um, shit, there's characters like Joel that are in a bunch of fucking comedies, and it's a lot, a lot of of that group of people are very much like Eastern. New York Jewish stereotypes. But instead of just like making them Jewish stereotypes, they're like, yeah, they're Jewish stereotypes, but they're going to deal with real problems. They're going to deal with real shit. And it's much more entertaining to watch these characters deal with real shit than just be Jewish. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like Abe doesn't always come across as a Jewish archetype. He comes across as a genuine person. Um, Jason Alexander shows up in the, at the end of, uh, episode three and he's like a part of episode four. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was revealed in season three, uh, he was living in Miami and he and Abe reconnected. They were best friends earlier in life and they were both very radicalized youth. What's, what's great about his character is you, one could argue, and I've seen people say this online. He basically plays George Costanza, an older George Costanza. If he grew up in the fifties, not yeah. grew up, sorry, grew up in the 
twenties, thirties, and then was an was an older man in, in the fifties. Uh, but he basically plays George Costanza, and but it wasn't just like here's a cameo; it was a full on character, and this character's concerns were real, and his past was still existent in his mind, and he wasn't just there to be a folly. He was there to kind of grow Abe as a character as well, to add more to the character as a, as a whole. And I think that's what this show does so brilliantly with all of its characters. They don't just exist for the sake of existing. I'll give you a minor character that still has more character than some other fucking shows that we've watched. Joel's girlfriend, I'll say. We didn't have a whole lot to her character. We knew that her parents owned the nightclub that Joel runs, or at least owned the building. Um, we knew that Joel and her were seeing each other on the side. But these two episodes, don't remember which one, we got more of her character. We got mm-hmm. her we got her fleshed <clears throat> out a little bit more. I know more about her than I do some other characters in shows that we watch. Because she's again not just there to be a folly. She's not just there to enhance Joel's fucking storyline. She's there as a character. Yeah, and that's that's something this show, I mean, it's really, really well written. Uh, the, the, I guess it's a husband and wife team that write the show. Okay. Uh, Amy Sherman Palladino and, uh, let's see, uh, Daniel Palladino. Uh I guess they're married. Yeah, they're married. So, Ow. but uh, she is she is the creator, showrunner, head writer, lead writer, and he's like lead co writer. He also directs. In fact, this these episodes. The first one of the season was written and directed by her. The second one was written and directed by him. Third one was co-written by both and directed by him. And the fourth episode was co-written by both and directed by her. So that's pretty cool. Well, there you go. So they have their own, they have a vision and they're definitely sticking to it. And they're doing a really good job. Yeah, agreed. I mean, that's. I just that's I think that's what makes this show so special is that Susie was never a character that I thought I'd get strongly attached to. But as I'm watching her give her eulogy to Jackie, I'm crying. Like I'm legitimately emotional. And it was like and then right the fuck after that, we have the scene of, of Abe telling off the entire synagogue because he wrote a truthful review. And I was fucking thoroughly invested. It's hard to kind of quantify how like important the show is outside of just being a good show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we've talked about in the past how the show kind of... <sighs> It takes the concept of like what comedy has evolved into, why comedy is important, and made something more out of the show. Uh, we haven't watched Midge do really any stand-up. Like, 
she's been on stage. She's said a few words here and there. She's made a couple jokes, but not really do any stand up. You know what I mean? Yeah, because she's doing it in this burlesque club and for, you know, drunk guys that are telling her to take it off every time she comes out on stage. Yeah, she did have that one hilarious moment with uh, the three guys that weren't paying attention to her. That was amazing. When Lenny was there. Yeah, yeah. And that's the closest I think we've gotten to watching her do stand-up since she was kicked off that tour. Which would be, you know, beginning of the season. Um, I just, yeah, I like, I can't gush enough about the show. You know what I mean? Like, it's to the point where, like, I, I feel like if you're not watching the show, you're missing out. You're depriving yourself of some really quality, oh, sorry, entertainment. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one of the things we see that comes to lie in episode four, uh, Susie goes to the two hitmen that were originally supposed to take her out in season three because of her gambling issues. And they ended up liking her because she was from the same neighborhood and they struck up a friendship with her and everything. And they helped get her, get the theater for Sophie Lennon on Broadway. Remember those two guys? Yeah. 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 Well, and this, she goes to them. She's like, I need an apartment. You guys know of anything in the area? And they're like, Oh, what's your price range? And she told them, she's like, yeah, we got just the thing. And they take her, uh, they take her to this big fucking like apartment has a great view over Times square and fucking I th at least i think it was Times square look like Times square if Times square were in the 1960 um but they're like you know good solid floors she's like there's a blood stain so they said so you throw down a rug <laughs> But she's that basically you got a, yeah, that was a good view. I was like, she's standing next to that window. I was like, that. See, here's the thing: in 2022, that apartment would be like a solid ten grand a month, probably, probably so. But yeah, she's got this apartment now, which is going to double as her living space and office space. So she's like, she's dreaming. She's thinking Susie Myerson and Associates on the fucking door. And Sophie Lennon shows up and she's like, my career's a wreck. I'm broke. I've overextended myself. There's a game show at NBC that's getting ready to start. I want to be the host. Oh, I forget. Get me, get me on it. And she's like, no, I'm not doing this for you. She's like, you will do this for me. You're my manager. She's like, I'm not your manager. And, you know, <laughs> she fucking leaves and she's standing there at the elevator just looking at it like, what is this thing? What am I supposed to do? And Susie's like pushing the button forward and the doors open up. She's like, oh, <laughs> and as she steps inside and she's just looking around and Susie reaches in and presses the door to go to the main lobby. And she's like, oh, wonderful. <laughs> Here's my uh, thing. Like, I don't know if it was like how they filmed it or if it's like legit heights, but um is there really that big of a fucking height difference between the two? Oh, Jane Lynch and Alex Borstein? Yeah. I'm going uh, to look up the heights real quick. So, let's see. Well, height uh, of Jane Lynch. I think she's like 6'1". She's six foot. 
height of Lois. What was her uh, last Alex, name? Alex Borstein. Alex Borstein. Height of Alex Borstein. Five foot. There's a foot difference. That was legitimate. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Wowzers. I didn't know Alex which, Borstein was that which is just Which is just funny as hell. Uh, when they're on screen together because it's just so huge of a difference. It's just so funny. Yeah, they're, they, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, God damn, I did not know the height difference was that big. Jesus. <sighs> yeah, and it, what, what also makes that funny is that uh, Susie's character has such a presence and, and forwardness to her that standing at, like, and, I would say the energy between uh, Susie and I can't remember uh, 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 Jane Lynch's character, Sophie Lennon. Sophie Lennon, thank you. The Alex, the, the energy between those two was, if not that Susie was a little bit higher, but matched, but their height difference was so like it was just like it was a cool exposition, like um, an exposition, yeah. but uh, juxtaposition, juxtaposition. Um, but yeah, dude, I. Well, why don't we go ahead and give our final thoughts on the uh, on these three episodes? Two give episodes. A grade. Two episodes. Again, I'm a little sleepy, so. It's why don't a, you go ahead and go first? Oh, I'll give them an A. Uh, absolutely entertaining from start to finish. The bum for scene was hilarious. Uh, but, of course, you know, that not only leads to Abe being shunned by the Jewish community, but also being investigated by the FBI for something that he printed in his article, which affected his friend Asher, Jason Alexander's character. We didn't mention that. But yeah, just the situations that continue to evolve from the interactions and actions of these characters and their interactions with each other is just absolutely delightful, you know. Uh, yes, there are some stereotypes, but it flips these stereotypes on their head. Uh, it gives you something new and something delightfully funny each week. Um, looking forward to the uh, final half of the season. You know, we got two episodes next week. Well, this week, today as of publishing, and then two episodes next week on March the 11th, and that's the finale. And then we got to wait until one last season. Uh, Season five is going to be the last season, they said. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it very, very much. Love this show. Can't say enough good things about it. What about you, Greg? Uh, yeah, I'm I, honestly a plus. Um, like it was, it was emotionally heart wrenching for certain parts, and it was like glued to the screen. I've said this a hundred times to you. If a show can keep me occupied and stop my mind from wandering. It's done an excellent fucking job. Um, and the show does that in spades. So, like, these two episodes, A+. Plus. I know last week I probably said A, but I've, I absolutely fucking adore these two episodes. Um, so, yeah, I just can't say enough good things about it. Can't gush. I can't recommend it enough either. I have told a few people now, like, you got to watch the show. You genuinely do. Um, at least the people that I think would enjoy it. And it's hard to do that because a lot of like, I get that too. I get like people saying, Hey, you got to watch the show. And then I never fucking do. Yeah. Uh, so I get it when I say to watch it, I'm like, eh, but I feel like, you know, we were doing this podcast for so fucking long. I should have some credence, but you would think, 
<laughs> um, but yeah, everybody. Um, I can't wait for ne- the like Friday's episodes. It's gonna be fun. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna it's gonna do it for us here today. Um, I don't know if this is a shorter episode or just. Uh, we're at fifty six minutes right now. Yeah, so uh, we'll close it out here. Uh, but yeah, next week everybody, we're gonna be watching. Uh, that's the wrong. That's the wrong thing to pull up on your phone, Greg. Next week we're gonna be watching episode five and six of the Marvelous Miss Maisel and the Boys Diabolical, both on Amazon Prime. Uh, the Boys Diabolical, if you are unaware, is an eight episode anthology animated anthology um all takes place in the boys universe each episode is written directed and animated by a completely different group of people um i i believe all all eight of them are meant to be funny uh i could be totally wrong about that but uh yeah i'm excited about it i fucking love animation i love different styles of animation it's like the other thing i really like about it is because it's eight different written things Let's say episode two fucking blows a bag of ass. Episode three could be great. So you keep watching just to make, you know, just it's it's like Black Mirror. Sure, there's episodes of Black Mirror I think are terrible, but not all of them. And that's great. That's awesome. So very excited about that. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's next week. Um, everybody, make sure you go check out the YouTube channel. Uh, I uploaded my review of Cuphead the other day. Uh, I love that I'm able to edit on my phone. I probably should have turned down the background music a little bit, but eh, you can still hear me clearly. Um, but yeah, it's 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 like what less than five minutes, Maya. It's really short. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like to get my thoughts out quick. I don't like to keep people, you know, there forever. But yeah, go check out that review. Um, funny small thing about uploading that review is I basically downloaded a the 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 full trailer, but from a specific site on YouTube. To which when I uploaded the, the video onto our channel, which has my picture in the bottom corner, so it has an overlay, no audio, except for our background track and me talking, uh, we were copyrighted by the, the YouTube channel that I that I downloaded it from, but it was only unavailable in Italy. <laughs> so Well, it's not like we make money off of the YouTube portion anyway. Yeah, it was very yeah, we don't yeah, we don't monetize any of that cuz we don't have enough followers to monetize it. Hey, people get us to 1000 followers. There you go. There you go. Uh but yeah, go check out that. Um I'm going to try to do there's a new show on Netflix that I'm going to try to watch this week. Uh the guy that kind of headed, he didn't write it, but he headed up the uh the production company to make Castlevania, um Ari Shreeman or Shreven, something like that. Shriver. I can't remember his name. But anyway, he did yeah, he helped make the Castlevania show. He wrote and directed his own show for Netflix called The Guardians of Justice. The two first episodes I have watched. It's a show that exists on Netflix. It is definitely there. It's 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 available to watch. Uh that's gonna be a fun review to talk about. Um, but yeah, that'll be up on the YouTube soon. So go give that a follow, go give that a like. Uh, speaking of that, all our socials are going to be down below, which we should probably link the new reviews through the socials now that I think about it. But um, uh, when we do, we'll try to let you know on the social media. So go follow all those down below. 
Uh, go check out the Teespring store. Um, if you want to have our cartoon faces on your body, that's where you're going to go do that. Um, you know, spring and summer's coming up, so you can probably find some good some good uh, shirts and, and wears on on our Teespring, Teespring store. And if you do buy something and you want, uh, you know, you don't mind your picture being on the internet, put it up on, you know, any site that you have and tag us. We'll uh, and and we'll see if we we can share it on our stuff too. Let you know, let people know that you uh, you enjoy the product. And we'll give you a big old we'll give you a big old kiss kiss virtual the cheek. virtual, virtual one. yeah <clears throat> uh with your permission of course um but yeah so that's that that's all my notes Maya where can folks find you you can find me on Facebook under my name which is uh, Maya Dawn Fisher it is a public profile so not only on my Facebook page will you find cool things about me what I'm into but also my Twitter and Instagram accounts that are linked there that you can click on to follow those as well if you so choose. Uh, if you want to catch me on other shows, you can catch me on the Realm of Collectors YouTube channel every other Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on a, a show called Figure Banging. It's a live action figure review show uh, where we interact with the uh audience in the chat and go over you know action figures mainly transformers it's fun all right uh that's everywhere you can find me what about you greg uh you can follow me on under all socials under chub rock geek um you can also follow me uh over on the uh, mission start podcast and mission start tubes different channels that's where anthony and i will talk about video games or something to that effect he's got something else going on over there so if that sounds like it's up your alley, go check that out. Um, but that's it for me. Uh, again, folks, next week, uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel, episodes five and six, and The Boys Diabolical, both can be found on Amazon Prime. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody.